Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I'm your host, along with my co-host, Danny Hatch. Welcome to the Utah Film Pod, Danny. How are you doing? Good. <laughs> kind of. Like... Kind of? I, was, I sense some hesitation there. <laughs> no, you, you should have seen my face along with it. It's uh, my favorite emoji to use, like with the teeth gritting, just like, um, oh. Yeah, my expression all week. No. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, it's just funny. We've... Um, we talked about this before starting up the recording, but like this might be kind of an off episode for us. I've just been so incredibly busy, you know, semesters uh, wrapping up and all that and just like a whole yes, bunch of responsibilities is. and and then you haven't been feeling that well. So <laughs> it's <Yeah. laughs> we've just had a little bit of an unlucky streak trying to get something going. It's been yeah, no, it, it it has been well, because our last our last official episode was before or I mean our last any episode was just before the Oscars and so yeah. which is which is now a couple of weeks ago. Um and you know, we'd been getting on kind of more of a, a weekly rhythm, which is well we'd, we'd still like to hope to do. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, I'm if if my voice sounds a little bit different, it's I'm coming off of like my second cold in a month. <laughs> Which just, you know, well, it's one of those things where it's not a really intense cold and it's the kind of thing where, well, this could just be allergies and, and maybe, I don't know, it might actually be allergies, but mm-hmm. it's, it's enough to kind of, you know, you can't justify not doing the things you need to be getting done, but you also can't enjoy like anything fully because you <laughs> feel just a little bit off your game. Yeah. And, and then you said like in addition to just kind of the end of the semester stuff, there's some particular things you've been working on, right? That wasn't there some kind of an event this, this past week? Uh, yeah, there's been so much. It's like, which thing? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, for one thing with school, I've been a producer for a student film. So like that's been, you know, taking up a lot of my time, but we also had a booth going on at uh, Weber this week, just to kind of talk about the changes to the Weber film program. Um, it's going to be, really, really great. I really like the changes they've made to make a very individualized experience for each student so they can pursue the the area of film they're interested in. So, cool. um, and it was fun hearing like the variety, like, you know, some people really inter- interested in technical stuff or interested in writing. So, yeah, that's the fun thing about film is like that variety, right? So, yeah, right. Um, so that's been really good, but again, just takes up so much time. Um, yeah, but compounded with the rest of the end of the semester stress that's just <laughs> happening anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, finals that I'm in denial about and everything. <laughs> so, oh, good old denial, denial, so lovely. <laughs> but anyhow, I, I do want to circle back to what you said because I kind of want to pick things up where we left off, even though it's it's been so long. Um, but yeah. um, in case people didn't know, um, Oscars happened, and uh, <laughs> right, right. But um, but wow. there's but there's some yeah. new news, right? <laughs> there, there there's some uh, new um, new news that has come out, and uh, just recently, I think it was just two days ago. Um, you know, the the Academy has banned uh, Will Smith from returning to the Oscars for the next ten years, I believe. And yeah. yeah, it's I don't know that whole saga has been so interesting to watch. And I mean, like it, 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 the way that everything's unfolded, I feel like it's very much a it, it feels all very inevitable 
with how everything, like, I mean, you, you can't allow him to come back. That's putting people at risk, even though, like, I don't think he's a risk to people. But it's like, you have to be right. so official with all of these things, right? So, well, yeah, that's, I think that's, you know, I was, I was thinking about this morning because I knew that we wanted to talk about it and, and kind of weigh in and, and just, I don't know. I mean, if there's, if there's anybody listening to this who isn't fully aware of what the situation was, because how? I mean, it's been pretty <laughs> no, widely pu- publicized, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, because, you know, halfway through the broadcast, Chris Rock gets up to present an award mm-hmm. and starts making jokes and makes a joke about, you know, Jada Pinkett Smith's hair mm-hmm. because, you know, and, and she has, you know, alopecia or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of this awkward moment. And then Will Smith goes up on stage and slaps Chris Rock. And which, which on the one hand, I think is just really, really sad because it's going it, to that's what people are going to remember about this broadcast. Yeah. And in, in instead of oh well this was the great moment when Will Smith finally won his best actor Oscar. Yeah. It's oh yeah, this is this this is the one where Will Smith got up on stage and smacked Chris Rock, right? And yeah. so so it's really it's really sad in that regard just kind of, you know, and that that might be the biggest takeaway from it, but mm-hmm. kind of like you say like it's it's such a well you know he technically went up and assaulted the guy on live television yeah. and so you can't just laugh it off you can't just brush it under the rug you have to address it somehow even though like you say i mean there's no way that will smith is now like a security risk to be at a gathering of other hollywood you know elites yeah. like this it you know, it seemed like it was a very specific circumstance that yeah. was strange enough that a lot of people even debated whether it was real, you know, or whether it was <laughs> some kind of prearranged like a stunt setup. Yeah. yeah, like a stunt that just really like when I was thinking about it this morning, the phrase that kept coming to mind was half baked. <laughs> like whether whether it was a stunt that just didn't come off or whether it was real, in either case, it just you know, because there's the question of, oh, well, he was laughing just fine. And then all of a sudden he gets up and slaps him. And was it because his wife was angry and didn't he didn't notice right away? And mm-hmm. so it just, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm just basically restating everything everybody else has kind of been well, yeah, that's the tossing thing over. That this is especially like, you know, almost two weeks later, it's it's been talked to death. I will say, though, yeah. conversation has been very interesting. And um, I had a moment in one of my classes where I was um, very concerned by the discussion. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Well, uh, it's just, I, I think it's kind of this huge societal shift about um, free speech and stuff like that. But, you know, mm. a group of college students who have, you know, very passionate opinions, um, a teacher goes up and he's talking about the situation and just saying, like, yeah, it, was, it wasn't a cool joke to to make and obviously it struck a chord with Jada right but mm-hmm. um, it, he, he posed this as a question and I think he meant it more rhetorical than it ended up being but he said oh, um, no. <laughs> just, <laughs> just because you don't like something someone says does that justify violence and like the whole class and there's a variety of opinion too like political leanings and everything as I've noticed with all our discussions but Basically, everyone was like, yeah. And my teacher kind of stepped back and was like, 
oh, um, no, that's kind of like what you said. That's, that's assault. Um, that's, yeah, right, that's not right. an appropriate thing, even if you don't like what someone says. Um, and I think Will Smith's speech was, was really beautiful. Um, but I, I feel like the hard thing with the actions that he took, it, it kind of negates what he said a little bit. Whereas like if he went up and, you know, said that same exact thing, we can, we see that strength of characters like, oh my goodness, what, you know, what a guy who like really will defend his family. And so, you know, there, there's kind of that debate, but just, um, seeing how, I guess us youth of today, like a, a big mm-hmm. agreement we have is that violence can be justified like that. It's, um, I was very concerned. And um, I, I think at the yeah. end, by the end of the discussion, I think everyone was just fired up by it, you know, because everyone was so charged on social media. But by the time we ended our discussion, it was just kind of like, okay, everyone was a little out of line. Um, but especially you, you shouldn't hurt someone. So I think eventually we got to that point. But just that initial emotional response is just like, whoa. I, I, it's yeah. kind of, I don't know, a little alarming. Um but yeah, that's now, been my takeaway from the discussion. No, and that's uh, that, that's really interesting that that you know that that would be such a unanimous yeah response, right? You know, yeah. and and when I when I hear that, I think about you know, well, this especially becomes complicated because we're kind of in a cultural moment where you know the actual definition of the term violence is is a, a little more ambiguous, or is yeah. it, you know mm-hmm. is there, there are people who want it to be a little bit more ambiguous than it's been in terms of like what constitutes violence, you know? And, and so it is kind of cool to think that the discussion lasted long enough and was, was dynamic enough and, you know, useful enough that it, it ended in a place where everybody was able to get a little bit more perspective and kind of think things over because, I mean, that's what a discussion is supposed to be, right? Oh, is, yeah. You, know, you, you kind of, everybody, everybody comes in with, okay, well, your, your first reaction to this is X, and let's talk about it for a little while and see if you still feel X or if you think maybe Y is a better option. And, and I don't know, like considering the way you've described, you know, having a classroom with lots of different political perspectives and ideologies, you know, I, it's, it's kind of nice to hear that a, a productive discussion occurred. So, <laughs> I know, it feels so good, like a rare so good for you guys. right? <laughs> You know, it's like the opposite of cable news. So good for I you. I know we did it. We we did it. <laughs> that might be my last plug for a uh, Weber for the day, because like, um, I, I feel like a lot of schools strive for that like diversity thing, but like Weber actually just is very naturally diverse. I think not like, you know, trying yeah. to aim for it, but in a way where it's like we can all be different and discuss and be respectful. Like I don't know. I love. Right. I love. I'm a big Weber fan, so <laughs> it's been wonderful. <laughs> um. But yeah, so that's good to hear. But hey, you know what? You like you said, um, that that slap kind of overshadowed a lot of really good things that happened with Oscars, like right, hey, Coda right. winning. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah I, that I uh, so the Oscar party that I traditionally attend was canceled, and so oh, I no. didn't actually watch the Oscars live this year. Oh. Um, but I was really kind of happy and surprised to find out that you know, and I because I want to say that this was probably the first time certainly that I can think of where my absolute favorite movie of the year won best picture, right? Because 
there have been plenty of best, best picture winners that I liked, you know, films that I did enjoy that I, you know, I support the idea of this winning best picture, but I can't think of another time when my just favorite movie actually won. Mm -hmm. And, and this was definitely that case because Coda was far and away my favorite movie from last year. So, so good on them. That was, you know, too bad that other things might kind of <laughs> overshadow it in, in the history of the awards, but you know, we, we take what we can get, I guess. Oh yeah. Oh, that was, I was really happy about that win. So everything else yeah. I was a little confused by, but what else is new? <laughs> yeah. Well now, so, so, you know, getting back to Will Smith, at least with his, with his win was, was it, a surprise or was it disappointing that he won best actor for you when you were hoping for <laughs> Andrew Garfield or yeah. well, I, I, was, or it's, I mean, it's been a couple of weeks now. So have you, are you, are you feeling? Yeah. I'm over okay my morning. Now. No, You're um, over. the morning is over. <laughs> Especially after what Mark said, I think it just made sense that Will Smith won. So I wasn't, I wasn't too surprised when yeah. it happened. He prepared me um, sufficiently because oh, I wasn't following like all the other like BAFTA and stuff like that. Like I should have been. So you know. No, it does. It it does. There is. There's definitely a a I guess kind of a process or a path or a trend. Yeah, that, that's a pretty strong indicator. No, and you, um, you guys pick up on that stuff pretty well. No, what I was surprised <laughs> by um, was more just that like Dune swept. Oh, in in so much of the yeah, yeah. and it just I don't know because like I, I guess maybe I, I grew up with the participation award kind of group where I'm just like, but, uh, but no one else got to receive awards that should have gotten at least yeah. something, you know? So that, yeah. that was kind of more my feeling there where I just wanted that more equal split, well, I guess. And I, and I think that, I think that that would, that would make sense, I guess. Cause see, now I'm going through my head and I'm trying to think of what some of the other options were, but mm -hmm. like, I don't have a problem with a movie dominating the awards if it's really that good yeah, and that much yeah. better, right? And and Dune was really good. I mean, I really did enjoy it and it really had some spectacular, you know, the the sound and the visuals and the visuals and all that I kind totally of stuff. saw. Like I, I didn't yeah, know who else right. would have won. Yeah. Um but uh you know I'm just trying to think, well, is it that much better than all of the other Yeah. All the other candidates yeah. and and I don't know, maybe because I'm like I said, I'm I'm having a tough time of thinking what what some of the other ones were, which maybe suggests that Dune was that much better. But yeah. but uh, it is kind of a it is kind of unique, especially with you know because I I thought that putting it in the 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 running for best picture was a bit of a stretch, just because mm -hmm. the ending for me was so abrupt yeah. and and unsatisfying, you know that okay, this is a good movie. I'm really excited to see the sequel, but man, this thing just kind of leaves you hanging and not necessarily in a, it, it, cause it was, it wasn't a cliffhanger. It's like, okay, we've reached this spot. Now it's time. It, it felt like an intermission. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, so it's kind of weird to think of it as a best picture because it's a piece. It's, you know, a very explicit piece of a bigger whole mm -hmm. and, but anyway, I mean, I guess I still was able to get credit for 
you know, the things that were a little more finite about it, if you'd have to look at it that way. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. So some, some good, some bad, some not sure what to make of this. Yeah. We'll check back in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, you know what, if anything, I do think last Oscars kind of showed kind of a good progression back to, I don't know, a, a good ceremony. Like it wasn't quite perfect but like you know there were some good awards and um some good moments so i'm I'm hoping we're kind of steering back in a good direction because like i'd say before covid like that was when um parasite won and jojo rabbit got i think screenplay or something like that like you know there were a lot Mm -hmm. of great wins and great moments that year and then covid hit and like yeah it it became this awkward dinner party like we talked about so right Right. So no, that's, that is encouraging. Yeah. So, so maybe that'll be one of the, you know, it's a step back towards normalcy or whatever normalcy is going to be from here out. So exactly. Exactly. Cool. Well, so what else is happening? Well, um, I, there were so many movies I tried to see, but again, just time wasn't on my side, but there is a series that I binged watched. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I never do that. Um, Fortunately, it was short enough where I could justify it. But I watched season two of Bridgerton very soon. Okay. Which um, it was, I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And I don't know if that's, maybe I feel a little guilty about that. Because, like, you know, I didn't watch the first season because I heard, like, where it's just, like, you know, Pride and Prejudice, but super scandalous and all that and um you know i i I had heard that this one toned it down on like all the sex and inappropriate material and it was kind of more just the whole romantic tension and and i love that kind of stuff so it was good romantic fluff and i i needed that kind of escapism um but something because i found myself recommending it to people and like i thought i was going to watch this in secret and then no one would ever know um, <laughs> but you've now announced it on a podcast. But, that you're but going here's, to. <laughs> here's why because I have been recommending it to people because um, I was so impressed by the, this is not a word, but like ensemble ship of it. Where like, <laughs> um, I was just really impressed by the whole cast and like all the side plots. And just anytime there was a character in the background, like they just were very interesting to watch. So, like, it's just, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's that combination of directing and acting where it was it was way better than I thought it was going to be for that reason. Like, I just thought well, cool. it was going to be super, you know, um, focused in on that, that romance. But there were a lot of fun things happening all throughout. So um, I was very impressed by it, surprisingly. So, so. so did you have trouble jumping into the second season when you hadn't seen the first season or is it pretty self-explanatory i I think it was pretty self-explanatory i'm sure i didn't understand the characters well enough but like i i I, like bridgerton was so big when it came out so like i kind of got the gist of it i recognized the faces um but um i i do think they make it very easy to jump in especially if you're like me and you didn't want to watch the first one because you know, it kind of went against some standards, morals you may have. Um, I think yeah. the second one was, you know, yeah, a lot cleaner, easy to jump in. Um, I I'd imagine that you might like the characters more, too, because I feel like 
everyone was kind of scandalized in the first season. I don't know. This is my hypothesis. Uh. But, like, you know, everyone was kind of, you know, went over in the deep end for the first season. But in the second one, you're kind of going in thinking that everyone's fine if you don't know what happened. So, I, oh, okay. I you know, like, <laughs> so there ignor- were no... So, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, no, I, I've definitely really, really enjoyed that. And, I mean, okay. a part of it might be because I'm kind of a romantic, too. So, if you're into that kind of ah. stuff, um, I watch it through VidAngel because I know there are still some scenes where it's still got a mature rating. Um, there's some... There, there, one plot line is that a brother is, like, taking art classes, so he's, like, painting naked people so i i think again like thanks to (laughs) angel ignorance is bliss (laughs) so i have no idea at least we got you watching series now (laughs) baby steps baby steps my husband's working on me for moon night next so we'll see if next episode i've seen it well (laughs) and you know to be fair i haven't watched it yet myself either so we'll see if uh which of course that's no, well, I haven't seen Bridgerton either, but uh, but Moon Moon Knight, I haven't I haven't watched any of those. Um, I have actually covered a few movies, which which we're going to get to here in a second. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, Moon Knight, I haven't I haven't watched any of that. Although in my case, it's it's less a resistance to series than a okay. So there's another Marvel thing to you know. So so there's there's it's more hesitation. Well, plus I've been. You know, because I probably like a lot of people, I'm always kind of like working my way through a series or reworking my way through a series. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I'm i kind of in a bad place where I can, you know, if I'm at home and I'm eating, I'm also watching TV. I don't yeah. just sit and eat at the table. And, <laughs> you know, it's and so, you know, I just I just finished rewatching uh, Alias again, oh, good. Uh, the Jennifer Garner series from gosh, about 15 years ago now, quite a while. Um, but then uh, I've also, like at the same time, I've kind of been toggling back and forth, and I have I finally started watching iZombie, um, which I think was a CW series at one point, but I've been I just been watching it on Netflix. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, so so with those series in place, I haven't uh, I haven't been taking the time to go into Moon Knight yet, but uh Anyway. Yeah. Well, let's hear <laughs> yeah. about the movies, though, because I'm definitely yeah, more interested in, in let's, those. What's, what's, rele- yeah. what's relevant to the Utah Film Pod? That's a great idea. <laughs> let's do that. Um, no, there, like I said, there, there have been a few coming out. It, uh, it definitely feels like we're kind of picking up the, uh, you know, the springtime releases and things are feeling a little bit bigger and a little bit more uh, featured. Um, but uh, I figure we'd start off with... The most present release uh, comes out. Uh, well, we're, we were recording this on the ninth, and I believe it came out yesterday officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new Michael Bay movie, Ambulance, um, which I've got to say, this has got to be one of the more frustrating movies I've seen recently. If and maybe maybe in longer, because there are some things that I really really liked about this movie. And some other things that just ruined it for me. And and so I'm, you know, where you can usually just kind of sway one way or the other in general and say, oh, yeah, no, that was that was a good movie. I really liked this and this and this. Or, this, oh, this is a terrible movie, blah, blah, blah. 
this one just like it's not even really middle of the road either because there are a lot of just kind of meh you know shrug of the shoulder movies that are like the you know the classic two and a half stars out of four because yeah it's got some good bits but it's you know got some lame bits this like the extremes are more extreme yeah. and so yeah i can see that you know, and I'm, I'm like all of this this setup. I need to actually, you know, explain the movie itself. But, but my takeaway from it was that, you know, this this thing drove me crazy because there were some elements of it that I really liked so much, and then there were some other elements that just completely undermined it and just killed it. And it just feels like it's instead of just kind of shrugging and walking away or being or being a forgettable movie like Morbius, right? Because that was kind of my take there was that Morbius was not bad it's just very forgettable yeah. you know with with ambulance it's frustrating like it's actively frustrating and i think i think the way that i would explain it is that it starts off as one kind of movie but then the longer it goes elements of other genres kind of and and certainly style points start to kind of bleed into it and just kind of rot it away, kind of poison it. I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. so, so the movie itself is like a heist caper type of type of thing where it's, it's about a, uh, a couple of brothers and one of them is like a career criminal. He's, he's like this infamous kind of bank robber and that's the Jake Gyllenhaal character. And and he's got like this one big job he's trying to pull, and his his brother, who's played by Yaha Abdul Mateen II, is not he's he's like chosen to get away from the criminal life because it's kind of a family thing. Like their dad was this big time robber as well, um, but uh, the brothers and uh, it's like Jake Gyllenhaal's character is Danny and. Uh, uh, Yaha's is uh, Will, right? So, so Will kind of decided to not follow the family uh, plan, but he's in desperate times. His wife needs some, uh, you know, help with surgery. There's like an experimental. She's got some medical problems, and so he needs to. Uh, the long long story short, he winds up having to join in on this big score, and so the first part of the movie is about this, you know, this this bank heist gone awry where, and, and I, I say this hesitantly for, for reasons that will follow, but it feels a lot like heat, the, the crime drama from the 1990s with, uh, and Michael Mann did it and it was with, with uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino oh, okay, yeah. and just a really fantastic movie, just a really, really great, kind of crime drama in it and it's it's built around you know it's got this really incredible uh robbery sequence and and you get you know probably a good 45 minutes to an hour into ambulance and it's like wow this is really intense like this has really got me locked in this is pretty pretty cool like it's you know you know it's not quite at the level of something like heat but there are enough similarities and there are enough good things happening that it's kind of Wow, no, this is this is pretty good, mm-hmm. and and so in the meantime, so so basically the the heist goes awry, and then Will and Danny wind up escaping by carjacking an ambulance that has come on the scene to assist with the wounded, um, including a police officer, and and so so one of the officers he gets he gets shot, 
they're taking away on the, the ambulance and uh, uh, Isaac Gonzalez plays the, uh, the EMT, uh, Cam is her character name. And so she's in the ambulance with this, this cop and then Will and Danny hijack the ambulance and it start and so then it from it turns from heat into like an ambulance version of speed right with yeah that's what i was kind of given those i was getting those vibes yeah. from the trailer yeah right right and so so most of the movie is kind of like this extended high low high chase high speed chase as you know, all of the cops in town are swarming this ambulance and trying to get them to stop and trying to get, you know, and, and they're trying to keep the cop alive because as long as the officer's still alive, the, the full vengeance of the LAPD won't come down on them, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so the concept is pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, a lot, like I said, you, you get quite a ways into it and it's like, wow, this is, this is pretty intense. You know, this is pretty cool here, but and here's where everything goes wrong. Michael Bay eventually just becomes Michael Bay. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Like when you said there were some really, really good things on like, yeah, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. And then there were some really bad things. Yeah, Michael Bay, you know? No, and that's, and I feel, so, I mean, I need to clarify this because I don't, I don't want this to come across like a Michael Bay bash because to be fair, I really, really enjoyed 13 hours and, you know, from a couple of years ago. And, you know, about, uh, you know, the, the terrorists, you know, and kind of the, the U.S. Uh, special Forces guys. I think they're Special Forces who were kind of fighting things off and kind of had to get everybody through the night. And, and like, that was a really cool movie. And it kind of got away from a lot of his kind of, you know, cliched style choices and, you know, light years from the Transformers movies. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, I think I think he has some really great capacity with with the right subject matter and with kind of like the right amount of restraint. And and early on in ambulance, it feels the same way. Mm -hmm. But then but then slowly over the course of the movie, especially in the second half, there's just more and more of kind of like the same kind of ham fisted, you know, corny, just eye roll type of elements that squeeze in like like for one thing and this is this is pretty consistent throughout the movie but it's more tolerable early on because the rest of the movie is pretty good is like the camera work is just way over stylized mm. like they're just they're just trying to pull moves just to kind of show off and like what's what's the most crazy thing we can do with the camera to get you know like a weird angle on what's going on and, you know, and I've never been the type who's been really thrown off by a shaky cam or handheld or anything like that. But this this just seemed to be like doing loop-de-loops for the sake of doing loop-de-loops. And, you know, almost almost literally in a couple of cases, there are a couple of moves where it's just kind of, well, it's really crazy that you did that, but I don't know why, yeah. you know. Um, but what's worse is that, you know, because a, a lot of Michael Bay movies have like just these intentional they're they're supposed to be kind of comic relief supporting characters and you know the, the the kind of dialogue and the behavior and the attitudes and you know so so for example one one of the the main underlings for uh Danny that he has to call periodically and it's like this serious situation, but of course the guy is just kind of a bumbling idiot and he's really loud and obnoxious and says lots of stupid things. And, and it just undercuts the the credibility of what's going on and seems to try to take it 
and shift it from like a legitimate, strong kind of action crime drama mm-hmm. and turn it into something more like Con Air or The Rock, you know, kind of like yeah. these these more kind of cartoonish, you know, would be a good word to describe it, where, you know, it, it feel it goes from feeling real and and legitimate and intense to comic and a little more ludicrous and and just it sunk it it killed it you know and and then it just kind of dragged out and dragged out and dragged out and oh my gosh you know this is it stinks because i really like a lot of things about this Mm -hmm. but and and it wasn't it wasn't even a matter of from the very beginning all that stuff was there and so you're just thinking oh this could be so good if you just take this out it was more this gradual progression where the more the movie went along, it became more and more hard to take seriously. And so it just kind of rotted away. Yeah. And, oh, that's And a, that's ambulance. That's such a bummer. <laughs> so because of that, do you think Do you think it's still maybe worth it to see it for those good things or do you feel like this is going to be just more for those Michael Bay diehard fans. See, now that's, that's an interesting comment because I'm trying to think like, who are the diehard mm. Michael Bay fans? <laughs> but maybe that's a discussion for another time. Like, <laughs> like what I would, to, to answer your question more directly. Yeah. I would say this could be a decent five dollar Tuesday I can't in good conscience say go spend full price to go see this movie mm-hmm. I I can't say that people wouldn't enjoy it in certain contexts like I think just like watching it streaming it at home could be perfectly fine yeah and and there's enough good that you won't feel like oh that was a complete waste of time mm-hmm. but the movie is flawed enough and and disappointing enough mm-hmm. that I can't just like wave the flag for it and say, Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes a lot so of sense. It's, so it feels like kind of like a milk toast reaction, but like, you know, I would I would wait and watch it streaming. Yeah. Or, you know, if you have to see it in the theater, I wouldn't spend full price on it. But I mean there there are things that you would definitely like and enjoy, but there will also be plenty of opportunities to kind of roll your eyes and you know, if, if 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 you completely enjoy the Michael Bay style, you know, the slow motion swinging right to left while a character <laughs> shot from a low angle steps out of a car, you know, that there's there's lots of, you know, there's that kind of stuff is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the performances are good and the actors and characters are fairly likable and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's I don't know. I, I guess, like I say, when you when you start comparing a movie to something else that's better, it's it never goes well. Yeah, <laughs> and no, that's so fair. so that's kind of yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, because like like I say, I don't I don't want to just kind of default to oh, it's Michael Bay, so it stinks, right? Because he does he does some good stuff, and he's shown the potential yeah. to do some really great stuff. Yeah, but but unfortunately, too much of his kind of fallback gimmicks undermine what the movie could have been. That's fair. Um, now, in terms of content, uh, it is an R-rated movie. Uh, mostly, I would say, for the language, because 
the violence itself, like there, there is some violence that, I mean, you would definitely call it R-rated violence, but I wouldn't say this is an especially graphic film. Um, you know, I mean, one of the most intense sections is when, you know, they're trying to take a bullet out of the cop's abdomen and they, you know, they kind of have to cut him open and stuff, but, but it's not, it's not like a gratuitous violence type of movie. Um, which just kind of seems weird because in, in a way, I guess, but, uh, cause it definitely has the kind of profanity to get it to the R rating, but the, you know, the shoot 'em up stuff isn't nearly as, as violent as you might expect. But, and then there's really no, no sexual content at, at all from what I recall, which I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a positive step for Michael Bay. Cause his <laughs> stuff does tend to be pretty exploitative. Um, I mean, yeah. the, uh, you know, the cam character, uh, Isaac Gonzalez, you know, she's, she's really treated quite respectfully for, for a female lead in a Michael Bay movie, I guess. Interesting. Okay. So, so maybe there's, there's a positive. So, <laughs> yeah. So ambulance is coming out, you know, this, this, the weekend of our recording. And so, you know, as of the eighth, it's out, um, on the 15th, we got another pretty big one coming out, which, uh, yeah, have to admit was one of the ones that I think both of us were a little apprehensive about seeing when we were doing our, <laughs> our preview for the year. Oh um, boy. Yeah. It's the, the next fantastic beasts movie, the secrets of Dumbledore. Um, got to, got to see that one, check that one off the list. And I don't know. I think, I think the, the best thing I can say about it is that I didn't resent it nearly as much as was it crimes of grindelwald was that the second one? <laughs> oh yes yep because that one you know i i i presume is because of covid because i mean did that come out in 2019 was that i mean it's it's definitely a pre-pandemic release yeah no absolutely yeah but you know so it came out so long ago and yeah so secrets of dumbledore did not agitate me nearly as much as crimes of grindelwald did but it still got the same problems and you still, well, no, it's okay. I've just been, I've really been anticipating what (laughs) the verdict would be on this because like, I'm with you. Like I, I loved the first one because I, I'm not like super invested in Harry Potter, but I'm interested enough Mm -hmm. in the world. And and I probably mentioned this before. Um, I'm really invested in the world. So like, I want to see like, what does the wizarding world look like in, different years and different locations and I and I really loved that I loved seeing adults using magic in the real world I thought that was fun um yeah but then the second one was just like it was kind of torture to work through because it felt like a very no, long trailer for the third one so I, I so I've been wondering about this third one where it's like what's gonna what's this big payoff we've been building up to <laughs> I've I've like I don't know <laughs> So, okay, maybe I should back up okay. and set set this up and, and we can, because there are all kinds of things that I want to say. For sure. But I think I should probably give a little bit of context before I, I pass some of this on. So, so yeah, third movie in the series, uh, Crimes of Grindelwald, if I can remember. And that's the thing is like, you can, it's been so long and I disliked the movie so much and it was such a mess that I was kind of re- assembling my memories as I was watching the third one. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the Harry Potter world, like 
what, 7,500 years before Harry Potter. So we're back in, was it like 1920s? Yeah, the 20s, I think. 1930s. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it, it, so this is this is kind of, it's it's prequel territory. We're, we're watching Albus Dumbledore, you know, who's played by Jude Law and, and, there's this character that's played by Eddie Redmayne. And, and, and I, I say like, cause one of the big problems here is there's no protagonist. Like there's really not one person you're following. And so it's, it's kind of an ensemble thing, but it's also just kind of disconnected storylines that are kind of loosely connected. And, and so anyway, so we're, we're making our way through a Harry Potter adjacent uh, saga Mm-hmm. that you know so Grindelwald is kind of he well he's he's he, like with Voldemort I guess his big deal is you know magic people versus muggles and why you know any blending of the two you know any any you know, pure bloods and stuff is his his big crusade is to wage war on the muggles and you know, bring the magic people out from the shadows and have them rise to the, you know, to take their deserved state at the top of the, the human, you know, humanities food chain or whatever you want to, however you want to describe it. Mm-hmm. And plot wise, the whole movie is about a rigged election. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like you, you kind of, it kind of dawns on you about halfway through this movie that like, this is all like a political intrigue story <laughs> with weird magic, you know, subplots. Yeah. And and so, which kind of reminded me of Attack of the Clones, right? Because that's that's one of the criticisms of, of a lot of the, you know, the Star Wars prequels is that they were focused way too much on, you know, civics and political intrigue and, and this kind of stuff that's just not very interesting. And, and with, with, you know... Regardless of how you feel about that, because Danny, as I recall, you actually, you know, are more of a defender of the prequels, and we might have to save. <laughs> well, absolutely. Save that. And I and yeah. I do actually like political intrigue. I find those conversations can oh, yeah. be very interesting if done well and not super preachy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, not not just that, but you know, it's just kind of like courtroom dramas. Like courtroom courtroom dramas can be really fantastic. Right. Yeah. But if this is if this is supposed to be kind of like an exciting action adventure fantasy story, then bogging it down in, you know, suits having conversations about policy and you know, it just it just doesn't work. And and even though it's not quite that bad in Secrets of Dumbledore, it's effectively a story about the bad guys are trying to manipulate an election to get in power. Mm. And, and, you know, it's probably, there's, there are going to be opportunities to try to make connections to our, you know, recent events in the real world that (laughs) are, are not quite so explicit that they're transparent, but, you know, I'm sure they had some things in mind when they were putting this together. Mm. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so so Grindelwald, um, and he's he's now played by uh, Mads Mikkelsen um, because you know Johnny Depp uh, persona non grata anymore, and uh, so so he's the bad guy. He wants to 
you know, get rid of all of the, uh, you know, the human, the non-magic people. And, and so he's basically got this plot to rig the election so that he can get into power mm-hmm. and kind of bring his constituency, you know, to the forefront, et cetera. Um, and so Albus Dumbledore is working against him. Newt Scalamander working against him. Uh, there's the subplot with Ezra Miller's character, the Credence from, you know, who's kind of carried over from the first movie and, you know, the quote unquote big reveal, he said sarcastically was at the end of the second movie was that I guess he's related to Dumbledore. Um, we have, there's, there's also the plot about, uh, the Jacob Kowalski and, uh, uh, what's her, what's her character's name? Queenie. The, yeah. And Queenie, you know, because at the end of the second movie, she joined with the bad guys and, and, and so, yeah, it's, I don't know. There's a lot going on. There's not really a focus. Okay. Um, but you're watching it and kind of thinking, oh, well, this is watchable. You know, this is fine. You're just kind of going along with it and it's not a big deal. Even though, like you said, it's like, well, this is kind of weird because this movie is really just about a rigged election. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, but there's, there's kind of like a magical fantasy element to it because the way they're rigging the election is by, by tampering with this mystical creature that is supposed to be able to have like some great wisdom in terms of selecting leaders. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of where Eddie Redmayne's character comes in because of course he's like the caretaker of all of the, the magic fantastic beasts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I wondered how they were going to finally bring back the animal aspect of it because Second yeah. movie, it was like completely gone. Right, and 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 to be honest, this feels forced. Like it's not yeah. it's not bad. It's just kind of, and that that's why I say like the individual elements of the movie are okay. And as you're watching it early on, it's just fine. But by the end, it kind of feels like it's just dragging out and dragging out, and and you feel you eventually. I guess you, if you are, you know, kind of agree with my perspective on these movies, you kind of get to the same place where you're just thinking, why are we doing this? What is the, you know, it's one of, one of the things that really bothers me. And I've noticed this in a number of different, different movies mm-hmm. is when they try to make a big deal out of moments that haven't earned that emotional mm-hmm. catharsis. Because, and, and granted, you know, Fantastic Beasts has its work cut out for it, right? Because it is a branch off of the Harry Potter tree and, and the Harry Potter movies, you know, you had this huge foundation from the books, you know, with, yeah. with fandom and, and understanding, you know, kind of the depth of the, the world and the universe and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, when the big events happen in those last couple movies, you know, or, or certainly at the end of the sixth movie, you know, and I, for the sake of it, he doesn't want me to spoil anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like when a character dies, you really feel like a tragic loss because you spent and invested so much time with these characters. Yeah. And, and then so when like something, not even necessarily a death, but just like when something big happens in Fantastic Beasts, it kind of feels like, sorry, so you're what? just, you're not there. Yeah, you don't, you don't. You haven't earned this. Like, why is the music swelling like this? Why are you behaving this way? This isn't a big deal. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm not invested. And and there's that. And and I just think that that these movies are they have a way of reminding you of what made the Harry Potter movies so good and the Harry Potter stories so good. You know, namely that we're watching 
you know, in the, in, in the case of Harry Potter, we're experiencing this world through the perspective of children mm-hmm. and we're growing up with them and we're watching them grow and the fantastic and magic aspects of it seem very, very natural and, and very, really wonderful and, and fun. And seeing that same kind of stuff played out exclusively through the eyes of adults is just not the same thing. Yeah. Because so much of Harry Potter was about coming of age and nobody's coming of age in Fantastic Beasts. It's just kind of, you know, there are kind of already fully made characters. And and so that I think is always going to work against it. I, I think that the fact that, that this is a technically a prequel series, which means that you're going to have to find some way of developing and manipulating a plot to get it to a place that's predetermined is just so hard, Yeah, you know, to, to make it feel and happen naturally. Um, and then you pointed this out. Well, I don't, you alluded to this earlier and I thought this was a real key here. It's because you talked about the time frame, right? Because this is happening in the early 20th century. And I think one of the things that made Harry Potter so interesting was that it was like this old-timey 19th century aesthetic and behavior happening concurrently with our modern world, right, in the 21st century. Like it was kind of out of time a little bit. Well, there was much more of a dissonance, yeah. Yeah. It was like by, by crossing over to the magic wizarding world, you are not just changing from magic from non-magic to magic but you're also going back in time Mm. and so so there's much more of a visual you know experiential change whereas with fantastic beasts it's kind of all the same thing and we're watching it from the perspective of the 21st century and so it all feels like stepping back in time anyway and so it's kind of interesting to see that time period Mm -hmm. but it also doesn't have the same effect because you know, it's it's not like you're at a regular train station and then suddenly vanishes through a wall and now there's this extra landing, you know, that's all magic and stuff. It's you know, it just kind of feels like it's happening the whole the whole world of the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties feels foreign anyway. Mm-hmm. And so having magic people in that world doesn't feel like as much of a unique thing. I don't know. That but. is so interesting. I never thought about that being a, something that would take away from kind of the magic. Like, I, I know we've talked about the whole, like, the, you know, you're taking away the coming of age kind of aspect yeah. of it. But the the part of that magic aesthetic is that it's kind of in dissonance with the modern world. So that's that's very interesting. Um, I did like the the time jump in the first one. Because maybe it's just because, like, I like the 20s or something. Like, you know, I, I thought it yeah. was a fun aesthetic, just generally speaking. Um, and uh, uh, the, the comments you're getting no, and just it's, and it's wonder. No, and it's not bad. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad in and of itself. No. It's just something else that makes it harder yeah. to reach the impact level of the Harry Potter series. Yeah, it's it's working against it for sure because you're, you're kind of um, – I mean, I didn't even consider this, but, you know, just all these, like, little choices that take away from the magic of it. And not just mm-hmm. the magic in the literal sense with it, but kind of that movie magic, the the setting magic. You know, like, the the more film elements that, um, 
yeah, take away from it. That's interesting. But I do wonder with what you're saying with the politics kind of side of thing where it, Mm-hmm. That that was another thing that I really liked about the first one was the how do the two worlds mix together. Um, I loved Jacob just as a character in the first one. I thought not only just for the comic relief, but just seeing how he fits in with the magic world or like, you know, doesn't fit yeah. in. Seeing things from his perspective. Like, I really enjoyed that. But then the second movie, it was very much, I don't know, it was kind of weird where it's like, okay, we have this issue and... We're not going to resolve it. And I, I'm guessing they have to touch on it in the third one. But so I, I I wonder if that might still be a pull for me. But I don't know. I don't so know. so tell me, which which issue are you specifically referring to? I mean, I won't I won't give it away. But oh, I can... no. I mean, this is something that's kind of explored from the very beginning. So it's not a spoiler, but just Jacob and Queenie's relationship. Oh, and okay, it's like, yeah, you yeah. know, the... The forbidden love or whatever, you know, they can't be together. Right. I mean, that's why she joins the bad guys in the second one, right? And so I, I thought that was interesting. But it's like he waited until yeah. the very end of the movie to do anything interesting with these characters and their relationships. So I don't know. Yeah. They, they have to touch on it because it was so big in the second movie. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and it's and it's a big... I mean, it's it's one of the, the dominant subplots of the third movie for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I would, I would say that, that his character is kind of, you know, one of the stronger foundations of the series, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's kind of unique because unlike Harry Potter, you know, he provides a, because you know how a lot of times there's, there's a character that is really supposed to be the stand in for the audience, you know, Mm you are you are you are watching this crazy weirdness through this character's eyes. You know, I, I think Han Solo was that character for for Star Wars, right? Because he's outside of the world of the Force and the Jedi, and the one kind of you know a little skeptical, a little bit like, yeah. well, this is kind of weird, you know. Or even and, Harry and Potter think, in the original series, right? Because everything was brand new, to right? Him, right, right, right. No, that's that's a good point, yeah. right? Um, and so and so with Jacob, it's. You know, he he really is one of the best aspects of this of this thing, and and he and that that is consistent. And that remains true with the third movie. Um, unfortunately, it's not enough to make you feel like I don't know. And it's a side plot, you know, like like you said, it, it's it's a main side plot, but it's not the main plot. It's going to be the main reason why I'm watching. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, and I mean, when when I kind of get into these situations, I always wonder. You know, am I just being unfair because is it is it possible to evaluate Fantastic Beasts apart from Harry Potter? You know, just in the you know, I mean, this is since since we brought up Harrison Ford, I guess this is not too far of a jump, but <laughs> um typically when people you know talk about the the Indiana Jones movies, it's like the first one was awesome. The third one was awesome. The second one wasn't nearly as good, right? Mm-hmm. The Temple of Doom. Yeah. And, and of course, this is, you know, because the fourth one never happened. Um, <laughs> but, like, you, but taken by itself, Temple of Doom is still a pretty fun, pretty good action movie, right? It's, it's a, it's, it suffers by comparison more than because of its own individual, you know, shortcomings. 
mm-hmm. you know, those, or, or, or it's like the comparison just highlights those shortcomings, you know? Um, and so, so I kind of feel like, well, with Fantastic Beasts, is it, is it a matter of this is just a bad series or is this just not as good as Harry Potter, which had the benefit of seven books and years and years of fandom and build up and stuff. But I just, I don't, I don't think so. Like I think by itself, Fantastic Beasts is still just really flawed. Yeah. You know, it, it lacks a protagonist. Yeah. It's, you know, I just don't feel as invested in these storylines. I don't care as much about these characters. And a and... lot of what saves it is that it's in the wizarding world, you know? Like, if anything, yeah. that's kind of helping it. And I, I think we have every right to compare it with the original because these production companies are using the IP. You know, they're using the yeah. name yeah. to try to promote it. So, like, they're right. the ones who want the connection. Well, and and I have to say, too, that knowing, at least at the time, I have no idea if the, this plan is carrying over, but, you know, the idea that, oh, well, there's going to be six of these. Like, Are what? there? Well, I, I remember hearing that at one point. What? And I don't, like I said, I don't know if oh that's still the plan. I thought this but was I a remember, trilogy. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, no. No, this, well, it could have been. Maybe I should have done a little research beforehand. but uh-huh. But I remember between like the first and second movie hearing that like the plan was there's going to be six of these movies all together oh and just kind of, you know, which, Hey, that's a little ambitious. Don't you think given that, uh, how about, how about you earn it first? Right. Yeah. And, and so it's possible that they've scaled back. Like I, you know, I'd like to think that if they were, if, if let's just say that if they decided to cap it off after these three, they would be okay doing it. Like there's, okay. there's enough, there's enough resolution that they could. And that, you know, I, I don't know for sure if that's the plan or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that at some point the idea was that there was going to be like six of these movies and it's just, it made, it, it made, I know for sure that it made the second movie that much more exhausting for me to think that, Oh my there gosh, this is just, yeah. why are you doing this? Oh, so wow. that's why I was able to get through the second one. Cause I'm like, yeah, this is just the lead up to the third finale sort of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dang. Um, I almost feel like we should confirm it right now. <laughs> so on October, 2016, JK Rowling announced that it would actually be five films. In 2016, 2016. So maybe, um, fantastic beast Four potential release date. That's from a day ago. So, it sounds like they're still planning on making another. Okay, so so we're th- so at least four. So we're not done yet. Is the point? Oh goodness! Right? Um, now, now that just feels like milking. Because, like, I mean, the first one I thought like kind of like what Star Wars was doing with like Rogue One and stuff like that. Like, let's have just like little snippets of the world. Yeah, like, I love that. Yeah, let's do that. You know, but no. Oh goodness! I really hope they. No, don't. I agree. <laughs> I think they're going to, but. Man, see guys, this is why we vote with our dollars. Well, and I think this I think this connects to a bigger issue. Yeah. Which of course is always going to stand against the question of, you know, or the the impetus to to make money, right? Oh yeah. Um I think that all of this stuff, whether it's Fantastic Beasts, whether it's, you know, spin-off Marvel series and and Star Wars series and and you know, anything that's kind of like these like you say kind of like these IPs these these franchises is that it loses track of the idea that sometimes some mystery is a good thing. 
Yeah. We don't we don't need to know everything. We don't need to know how A connects to B and you know how to get from A to Z. Sometimes it's just fine to know that it happened and that you know and if we if we go back and tell that story aside from the 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 obvious complications in doing like the logistical challenge in doing it it kind of takes away from it you know because i there there are a lot of things that i like about the you know the book of boba fett and mm-hmm. and and yeah I, I think it i think it finished a lot better than it you know started mm-hmm. but there's still this part of me that's just kind of like you know, I like Boba Fett better when I didn't know anything about him. Exactly. No, I was about to bring up that same exact thing because I feel like that's kind of a very good recent example where mystery yeah. is a good thing. And it's like, you know, I Jude Law is a fantastic actor. Absolutely. And, you know, David Yates is clearly a great, you know, great director. He did a great job with a lot of those, you know, Harry Potter movies. But do I need to know all of the stories about Dumbledore's comparative youth? No, not really. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's so... I get that, you know, there's an industry that wants to satisfy the needs and desires of a, you know, a voracious fan audience, you know, and, and obviously there's the, well, how how can we find new stories to tell and to find ways to make money? But it has a, it has, it also has a way of simultaneously undercutting the existing content because, you know, the, the mystery and here, I mean, this is a perfect example, right? Because we're talking about a magical world Mm -hmm. and, the more we know about it, the less magical it seems. Yeah. Absolutely. The end. That's <laughs> it. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> so for both of these movies, know. maybe not so great, or would this one still be an okay one to go see? You know, like I say, I, I think that if if you're a, a dedicated Harry Potter fan, if you've enjoyed, you know, at least kind of like the idea of the Fantastic Beasts, even though if it's pretty obvious they're not as good, this this one you will enjoy more than the second one you'll find more satisfying than the second one mm. but it still doesn't make fantastic beasts feel like a justified exercise it's still it's it's a poor man's version of harry potter at best Ooh. and yeah. and and so yeah it's a step up but not enough of a step up you're still you're still in the basement (laughs) (laughs) so yeah no and and, and, you know what let's let's uh, let's end on a positive note though because this this episode i've been bagging on ambulance not as good as it should be and fantastic beasts why are they doing this not as good as they you know (laughs) not as good as they should be um but i believe our next episode uh there will be a, a movie to praise so, oh, so, so there sad. are, there are good things coming down the line and, uh, you know, and, and honestly, these two aren't nearly as, as bad as they could be. So I think, uh, you know, reason for hope <laughs> it's springtime, it's springtime, <laughs> you know, things are getting better. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, keep an eye on the website. We'll try to get, uh, you know, more interesting content up when we, when we can, when we, when we can get away from our, our school obligations and, <laughs> and all those other things. But, uh, yeah. yeah, but keep us, uh, keep us surprised. Give us some comments. <laughs> Let us know what you think. And, uh, we'll talk more next time. Mm-hmm.